Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling for the heavyweight championship of the world. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello, hello, hello. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Movie Weight Classes. I'm your host, Parker. Joining me in the left corner this evening is Punya. Hey, what's up? And in the right corner, Mark. Hello. Hello. Did I say right twice? <laughs> if I you think did, I might have. then that's all right. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, all right, well, we're keeping it. We're not, we're not doing it for a fourth time. <laughs> In this episode of Movie Weight Classes, we're going to be talking about R-rated comedies, um, which is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. I don't know about y'all. Oh, yeah, uh, same. This was, I love R-rated comedies. Yeah, this was such. This is a hard one to do because, like, this is my favorite genre, honestly. So I had like multiple options for each uh, each slot. So interesting to see. Interested to see where it goes. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely watched my fair share of these movies far too early, uh, and it definitely led to some developmental issues, uh, mainly in my speech. But hey, here we are. Um, and I love, man, I love R-rated comedies. There's just something about someone telling you to fuck yourself that is so funny to me. I don't know what it is. What, what do you think, Mark? Um, I think first off, terrible timing on this uh, on this subject. Given uh, I recently promised my mother that I would watch my language on the podcast, um, so but this is perhaps not the best episode to be debuting my new clean persona. Uh, but uh, I think. Yeah, especially when you're younger and R-rated comedy, it's almost symbolic of like rebellion in like some like yeah. minute way, I guess. Uh, especially if you had stricter parents, then it's like, ooh, I'm. It, it it felt like you were doing one of the worst things possible. That made it fun. That made <laughs> like that made the connection to like some of the ones that I watched when I was younger, like super super visceral. Um, and it really did feel like a felony when you were a child. Like, oh yeah, yeah you, like I, I really felt like the FBI was going to kick my door yep. any time I was watching I'd be, I'd be like with my, on trips with my parents watching these movies like on my little iPod Touch, like in the back of the car, hoping they wouldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that image. I'm just picturing that right now. Um, I guess an interesting thing to start with is what's like a PG-13 comedy or a PG comedy that y'all think would be improved if it was made R. Um, I actually, when thinking about this, I found a lot of examples that I thought the movie actually got worse if they if they were R-rated. Um, and that was mainly for me due to the MPAA censorship rules um, and kind of how many swear words they allow for a movie and more specifically how many F-bombs they allow. Um, what do, what do y'all think? Do you guys have a good example of a PG or PG-13 comedy that would be improved? So one that I, this was, this was an interesting thought because I, I actually thought this movie was an R-rated movie uh, until I realized it was PG-13. My, my vote would be for um, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby uh, with Will Ferrell. That's a great pick. And, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting the other guy's name. Um, John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just great, like a great movie. Um, you would think that like from like Step Brothers and their just kind of general like brand of comedy that it would be an R-rated movie. Um, so it makes me think that like they could have gone a little bit more extreme with a lot of the stuff in that movie if it was R. But it was already pretty crazy and pretty funny. So not much to complain there. I had no idea that was PG-13. I really thought that was an R-rated movie. Right. So you want to know what's crazy when I was looking at answers for this is um, in, in the early 2000s when like uh, this movie Talladega Nights came out um, and my pick came out and then like the best example is Anchorman. Anchorman is a PG-13 mm-hmm. movie Oh, because those that's especially at the time, you know, you, whatever the reason you could people didn't think they could sell an R-rated movie anymore. So these yeah. comedies that should have been R-rated were made PG-13. And you see in the R-rated cut of Anchorman that like that R-rating just allows them to lean deeper into the absurdity, um, that which a lot of these comedies, Talladega Nights as well, really rely on. Um, and yeah. it doesn't come across as like crass as, or unnecessary. My pick is Zoolander, which I think is uh, mm. one of the, the same kind of genre uh, ah. of like kind of wackier 
comedy. It's PG-13, 2001. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Stiller is awesome. Owen Wilson uh, and Will Ferrell. Um, and I think that uh, there's a lot of crass kind of stuff in this. Like there's uh, he's getting <laughs> massage and she's chasing the boner. And then there's literally an orgy scene and all this stuff where yeah. it, when it's adapted to PG-13, it's not necessarily anything's lost because I still think this is a hilarious movie. But allowing uh, allowing to really run with stuff like that that you can only allude to sometimes makes it way funnier. And I think this movie could have been improved with a little bit of our spice. That's so interesting because I always viewed that as like a very clean kind of movie. Like I actually didn't even realize Me it was PG thirteen. I thought it was PG. Uh, so it's interesting to imagine like what what it could be as as like leaning into the more raunchy parts that like I guess you see like little brief flashes of. Yeah, and I think that's also due to the fact that maybe it's just me, but when I think of Ben Stiller comedy, I do think of a little bit cleaner of comedy. I think of, you know, the Meet the Fockers or Zoolander is a perfect example. Um, You mentioned Anchorman earlier. I actually think that's a movie that would be worse off if it was R-rated because of the NPA censorships and only allowing the film one F-bomb. But when he (laughs) said... When he has the go fuck yourself San Diego moment, it's one of the funniest F-bombs in a PG-13 movie ever. And I don't think that that impact would land as hard if there's just constant swearing throughout. Um, Another example like that is uh, the film Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Oh, yeah. I really think that's that's a movie that isn't improved with our rating. I think it's funny as is. And I just love the the very last scene with Ben Stiller. It's, it's, uh, that just makes me laugh so much. Um, but for my pick, I'm actually going to go with Hot Rod. Ooh. I Hot Rod, I think, is already one of the funniest and most quotable movies of all time. It's definitely in the cult classic genre for sure. But man, this movie is just outrageous as hell. And I really feel like, especially because it's about a stuntman and a lot of the times when he gets injured, he's just kind of rolling around on the ground and there's there's points where you could add some uh, comedy to the film by having him swearing after getting hit. It's it's very minor, but I do think that movie would be improved, especially. I mean, the scene when he's uh, when he's doing the emotional dance in the forest and gets thrown down the woods like <laughs> that's improved immensely if he's just swearing every time he hits. I see that. So it's mostly swearing that you would add to it, not really too much like content wise. Not really, man. I, I I just love Hot Rod. I think that would be hysterical. I, yeah. I've watched it God, probably 20 plus times at this point. And you know, Andy Samberg and those guys do that stuff. They do a clean version of comedy and also a more like uh, extreme version. They do it both very well. So I think like it's a no lose situation with Hot Rod for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Honorable mention to the uh, the other guys. I think that would be another one, especially just having Mark Wahlberg freaking out. Like basically you take the departed Mark Wahlberg and you put him in the other guys. And I would love that. (laughs) I would love that so much. Um, Let's go ahead and roll into the lightweight category for this week. Uh, Does anyone want to kick us off? I can, uh, I can jump off. Um, Oh, go ahead, buddy. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 1999's office space from writer-director Mike Judge of Beavis and Butthead fame. Um, this classic. is definitely a classic and a movie <laughs> that I think, especially for an R-rated comedy, is unlike a lot of the other ones that we're probably going to talk about, which are more, I guess, I don't know, like laugh out loud, like American versus, versus British. This is like a very British-style film in the way that it like yeah. it critiques like the banality of... Uh, office life and how absurd it is when you really look at it and this was like a thing that was i mean the office kind of at the start before it got a little ridiculous dealt with the same thing uh what dilbert you know the comic strip it was like uh (laughs) it was like this very middle class like way of rebellion where you just laugh at how stupid your situation is while you're going to this office job but anyway the film is written out dilbert Dil, shout out Dogbert. All right. Uh, this movie, I love the Dilbert reference. This, this movie, the script is the star, in my opinion. It's really, really funny. Um, 
there's so many iconic moments from the uh the, the beating up of the printer destroying the printer um and uh the meme you know if you could uh, that'd be great with the supervisor <laughs> this movie is just would have been a great pick for cult classics um but i also think it's one of the better r-rated comedies just in terms of not only like funny but just quality totally agree a bit about it being a cult classic i think it's definitely like that that's what i would think of if i think of like cult classic comedy um yeah just so many you're right about like so many like iconic scenes it's like the ones that you mentioned uh the like stapler stuff mm-hmm. um yeah just I still <laughs> i still want that red that red swing line stapler. <laughs> yeah no it's like such a it's such an interesting like predecessor to the office was it before the office uk tv show too yeah, it was. It was in 1999, I believe. The Office yeah, UK so it's was interesting. Like it's like two. it's kind of like a like an early exploration of that kind of that kind of idea. But just yeah, I wonder how much that had an influence on The Office and just in general workplace comedy. I feel like it definitely had more of an influence on the British Office than the American Office. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. That's why when I say American Office, very much season one of the American Office is like a similar tone. You know. Yeah. When it's just and, the British office. <laughs> and something that you mentioned is uh, rings true with almost all Mike Judge films is the script is always the star. He is one of the most talented comedy writers, not just in creating moments, um, but overall scripts like office space, you, even without being someone I've, I've never worked in an office before. But man, I still find this movie hilarious and insanely relatable in a very like human and personal way which is weird to talk about with an r-rated comedy and I, I think that's kind of why this movie works yeah no i totally agree it's like i i love this movie before i started working in an office and then i started working in an office and then i was like oh shit this is so is it's like very relatable so yeah good on both sides I guess on the other side of that coin, um, going with my pick, we're going to go with the movie Waiting from 2005, uh, written and directed by Rob McKentrick. Um, Man, this is if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you've seen this movie and can quote it probably front to back. Uh, It's a classic for anyone in the industry, unfortunately, myself included, Mm -hmm. Uh, starring Ryan Reynolds, Anna Faris, Justin Long, David Cochinet. Uh, Louise Guzman, Dane Cook, and John Francis Daly. Um, it's essentially about a new employee joining a kind of like Applebee's-esque restaurant um, and learning from the head trainer played by Ryan Reynolds. And it really is a low-key movie. It's The major sets really is just, it's just the restaurant, truthfully. Um, I think there's one or two scenes outside the restaurant, but... Man, this is this is one of those movies that outside of some pretty unfortunate 2004 homophobia, um, it really holds up and is still funny to this day. Um, And man, I mean, it's it hurts to watch, especially still being in the industry, because I I mean, hell, I, I deal with tables on a daily basis that are exactly like the kind of caricatures that they uh, portray in the film. And it's it's quotable as hell, funny as hell. And uh, something that I, I, I sort of suspected but didn't realize exactly was the budget was only about $3 million. And it wasn't a smash success, but it definitely uh, had legs, especially uh, in the DVD market. Grossed about $18 million. Have you all seen Waiting? Yeah. I, not, I, I, actually, have. I haven't heard of it, actually. Um, but I watched the trailer. I mean, I'm really surprised that I hadn't heard of it, given like what a great cast it has. Um and just like it seems like a very like kind of like broad appeal type of like a topic for a movie so i'm actually surprised i it never like crossed my radar um yeah so i i watched the trailer for it It seemed really interesting um i guess like did it it, did it do well when it like launched or no or when it came out it's not a great movie man it's it's (laughs) really like as as a movie it's not amazing as a representation of what it's like to sell your soul to a restaurant, it's perfect. Um, and that's that's why I love this movie. I, I think, I mean, the first time I watched it, I, I really didn't love it. it. It didn't click for me until the second watch, until it really just kind of, the years have beaten me down in the industry. Um, that's when it really clicked for me. 
it's what about not you, Mark? it's not it's not like a crazy good movie but again like what we were just talking about it's that early 2000s workplace comedy about mm-hmm. how ridiculous and like it's the same thing like scrubs was you know where it was that less like more realistic this is like a daily grind kind of thing um and it is as someone who also works in the service industry it is infinitely relatable um but like parker even said it, it's not it's not necessarily a crazy, crazy good movie. Um, The cinematography is nothing special. There's really, it's about as basic as you can get setup wise, blocking wise, like as a movie, it's not amazing as a script and as a kind of like representation of what it's like to work in a restaurant. It's perfect. Nice. That makes sense. And that to me, I think is why I love this movie more than anything. Um, And yeah, just, I guess, prepare yourself for some 2004-isms. And outside of that, it's pretty good. What you got for us, Punya? So I got Super Troopers. Um, This is a... (laughs) It's a a comedy from 2001. Um, It is about these uh, state troopers that kind of uh, work on the U.S.-Canada border. Um, And just them going through all of these, like, dumb antics of them... A, them being dumb cops, them dealing with, like, dumb, like, stoners on the road, them dealing with, like, just just people, like, going all over the place. It's, I think, I think the final, the actual movie centers centers around them doing, like, a drug bust. But, honestly, you wouldn't even remember that because this is a very goofy-ass movie. Um, It's, like, it really leans into the, like, kind of crass humor that we were talking about before. Uh, this is not a movie that you'd watch for a good good script or, or like wow that's we can't believe that plot really came around it's just like a, a series it's of good so laughs insightful. um like almost like a series of sketches that uh so many of them are like re- really memorable you could honestly maybe if you if you weren't super committed to this movie you could probably just watch the opening sequence and then be good on it um just because the opening <laughs> sequence is like a classic really funny um just great comedic timing everything um and yeah it was it's kind of the first movie that i think this group of people made they ended up making like beer fest and something else eventually they made super troopers 2 which i haven't seen i've heard is bad um it's okay (laughs) but yeah it's it's just a it's just a fun movie to you know turn your brain off to and just watch it's uh just a bunch of like dumb fun yeah it's a dumb fun comedy movie i'd say It, it it and it's really really funny and like to me yeah. the, the best analog for this is it's like if uh like Monty Python and the Holy Grail was a stoner movie because it's <laughs> not it's a it's a oh, it, it's a narrative that exists only to deliver you sketches um and here there just happen to be you know stoner police um and it's uh. This is also a great cult classic pick. There's a lot of overlap in these categories. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, because Super Super 2 actually was crowdfunded, if I'm not mistaken, oh. um, mm-hmm. and released. And that's what made it being really bad so disappointing is because it uh. was like a very, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah. anticipated. It was like almost twenty years after the fact. Yeah. Too. So yeah. I guess this. I guess that kind of indicates this in a way was also a little bit of a cult classic comedy movie. If it had enough of oh, a following I would, I would to do say that, this is this is a big time cult classic yeah. comedy, especially like this is one of those that it was like a DVD that your cousin's cousin had <laughs> that he would pass to you at a family reunion, and you just never heard of this film before, would laugh your ass off, and never hear of it again. <laughs> like, um, I mean, what what is there to say about Super Troopers that hasn't been said already? The uh, the meow scene is easily oh, yeah. one of my favorite scenes in any comedy ever. Like, there's no question about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, hell, from the opening scene even to the syrup choking contest, like, there are so many little moments that these guys are able to create within the film that are just instantly watchable. This is, I think you hit the nail right on the head. This is like a perfect... Oh, I love this scene. Let me look it up on YouTube kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong Damn. with that. <laughs> no, it's it, it really isn't. Like, it, this movie's funny as hell. There's no denying that. Yep. So, ooh, this is interesting. Uh, this is funny. We have basically three industry picks, but uh, 
we only have experience in two of them. <laughs> yep. None of us have been a cop. So, like, yep. man, I I don't really know how I'm going to be able to rank this. What, what? How are y'all feeling? Does anyone got a good uh, good grasp on their picks? Um, okay, so so it's Super Troopers waiting and uh, Mark Williams office yours? space in office space, right? Hmm. Well, to me, my thought process waiting right out, right out of there. I'm, I'm sorry, Barker. I hate to be blunt. Get it, get it off the table. <laughs> okay. This is between Super Troopers and Office Space, right? Yeah. And to me, do I want? I sort of gotta agree. Do I want the funnier one, or do I want the more? I hate to use this term, but like the more iconic one, you know. That's that's the kind of that's, the decision I'm between as well. And I, I, and where I it's think like, I gotta. It's a comedy episode, so I think I gotta give Super Troopers my number one pick. Followed by office space and then waiting. I got that exact same list. I think that's the right choice. Yeah. See, I, I didn't want to as pick mine first, I but I, I would got to agree with that one too. Just in terms of like funniness. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, super troopers is like, that's the movie that you throw on with your friends at, on a Friday night and just cry laughing. Like, and I would say uh, more than the other two, even though I do think Office Space is a better overall movie, it's definitely not as funny because there are moments of, you know, actual character development and plot forwarding that Super Troopers doesn't really have. But I think that's to Super Troopers' benefit. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, well. Damn it, Punya! You're still the damn ringer. Oh, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I know. It. I don't know if you've seen the scores recently. I actually, I have, uh, no, I, I I have no idea what the scores are overall. Do you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm staring at it. I have it framed above my my bed, and I touch it before I go to sleep <laughs> at night. Um, it antagonizes you. <laughs> I Parker's got three points. Punya has four, and I have eight. Oh, oh my god. What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, shit. All right. Never mind, Punya. Sleeper agent <laughs> over here. We had no idea. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's just. Wait, hang on. He's also the one that's keeping track of the score. So, how do we know? Hey, hey, Stop hey. Stop the hey, count. Hey. Check Stop the, the document. Need some peer Check reviewing here. This is all legal. I had people to verify every Stop single point. <laughs> you need to let me into your room to verify the count. <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> All right. All right, Mr. Winner, you want to roll into middleweight for us? Am, am I the winner because of my I, I, long-term no, I was, success? I was or, the, yeah. the one that oh, just oh, yeah, won I wasn't sure who was Mr. Winner here. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to take credit, but... Okay, oh, yeah. That's dumb. All right, oh, yeah, okay. Dumb. I, I can All go right, into media, yeah. medium weight, middleweight. Okay, um, so my choice was Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um which is a great movie has it's it's like one of those great like big ensemble cast movies which actually now that we're talking about these movies i'm realizing how many of these r-rated comedies are kind of like ensemble cast movies uh but yeah forgetting sarah marshall is uh it stars jason siegel kristen bell russell brand uh mila kunis um as uh, it's it's it centers around Jason Siegel going through this breakup with Kristen Bell's character Sarah Marshall, uh, and he wants to get away from it all and you know get into a new mindset. So he goes on this vacation to Hawaii, only to find his ex there with a brand new boyfriend who is like a rock star who's like the opposite of everything Jason Siegel is. Um, and it's just such a funny movie. Just um, like so many like so many different like different types of jokes and different like opportunities for comedy uh especially like playing on like the awkwardness of like couples a lot um it's like it's almost like a like it would be a rom-com but if it if it wasn't r-rated an r-rated movie but because it is it doesn't really feel like a rom-com uh even though it kind of like centers around that um every every person in this cast is like great I, I think that like Russell Brand is playing exactly who he was born to play in this movie. Like he's <laughs> born to play like a foul mouth, like idiot rock star. Um, and they actually, I'm pretty sure they continue his character in uh, Get Him to the Greek, which is also a great movie yep. with him and Jonah Hill. Um, and yeah, just great set of characters, just a lot of like laugh out loud fun. Um, it kind of like takes you on a journey and like has interesting moments of like kind of getting in your feelings too along with the the laughs 
Dude, I love this movie. I you kind of hit it right on the uh, hit the nail right on the head when you mentioned it being a rom com. Um, I was listening to a different podcast talking about this film, and the one thing that they touched on that I thought was really interesting was the fact that uh, Judd Apatow was kind of the supervising producer for this film with Jason Segel, and his big note when writing the script because this film is written by Jason Segel. Um, is Judd Apatow told him to write a drama first because we're all funny enough. We can make anything funny. If you have a drama, that means a good movie. So this movie really is a typical rom-com, but it's a typical rom-com with the kind of Judd Apatow uh, 2000s flair to it, um, which really lends to it's it's similar enough to a film like a, a super bad or knocked up while also having this wildly different vibe to it and i do think that is down to the location especially being set in hawaii being set in this gorgeous gorgeous location and having this character who's just miserable throughout is such a great choice yeah that's a that's a really interesting point i had i had no idea about that because that makes a lot of sense as to why it kind of seems to like emotionally go deeper than a lot of these other similar types of comedy movies like the Judd Apatow comedy movies. So yeah, good fun fact. I think this movie, what it, it is an ensemble cast, but you cannot understate how good Jason Siegel is. And I think he's oh, kind yeah. of underrated in general. And I'm actually looking at the page now. I didn't realize he actually wrote this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, he, it's the same thing that he does in I love you, man. Um, he does that very, very realistic, dopey person where it doesn't cross the line. Like this is this is a ridiculous person, but is one that I've met and exists. And he like yeah. he personifies that perfectly, and it's so good. It makes because it's a genuine character. Like the dopiness is genuine. It makes the emotional moments hit way, way harder. Man, this I also we can't talk about this movie and not talk about one of, if not the best side characters in any comedy, uh, Paul Rudd's Kunu. Mm-hmm. Dude, he, what, what, what is the surf instructor? Every single line Kunu has cr- makes me almost cry laughing. Um, <laughs> how he completely forgets that he meets Jason Siegel after a whole like 10 minute scene together <laughs> is one of the funniest touches to a movie I've ever seen. Um, Mila Kunis is great in this film too. Uh, Jack McBride as uh, kind of the the newlywed who has no idea what he's doing. Oh, you mean Jack That's McBride? Another really funny kid. McBride, excuse me. Yeah. Um, God damn, this is this is such a great movie. Just in general, without the comedy. Um, so you kind of add to the fact that it has some of the funniest, uh, some of the funniest one liners in in recent memory. This is a great pick. It's one of my favorites. Mark, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. You know, every once in a generation, there comes, there comes, a person or a film, an athlete. Let's say, <laughs> how often do you get a Tom Brady in the sixth round? A Tom Brady who, at the time of this release, will have won a Super Bowl. Who, at the time of this release, will have lost the Super Bowl. Just edit, edit whichever one of those is correct. <laughs> Um, I'm leaving all of that. <laughs> uh, my point is that my movie has a low budget, only about 10 million, 14 million, I think is going to be the exact number, but huh. it punches above its level and comfortably resides in middleweight. Ladies and gentlemen, Edgar Wright's hot fuzz. One of, if not the best comedy movie to come out in the past 10 years i said 10 but it's definitely uh 15 (laughs) yeah um this movie kiss this movie it's got one of the tightest scripts i think ever that i've ever seen everything on screen is important or like sets up a joke later on the editing is you know that's my favorite thing about edgar wright is the way that he does editing he makes it just feel very every movie is very fresh um even though it's distinctly his style um and uh simon Pegg and nick frost have great chemistry and they're hilarious and this uh this detective movie turning into a full-blown action movie um as you know the characters go through their arcs is uh it's just a lot more than 
it looks on the surface and every single part of it is beautiful and i love this movie and this has been the edgar wright simp hour totally agree this is this is also like one of those movies where it goes a lot deeper than i think a lot of comedy movies do um in that like there was a lot of plot going on i found myself like wanting to rewatch it to like find clues as to what happened uh to piece things together which is not something that you usually get with a comedy movie uh it's like it got got good rewatch uh rewatchability um i can't remember how much it made me like laugh laugh so i'm wondering like if you found it like haha funny or if it was just kind of like a like just overall good comedy throughout uh but yeah great pick yeah, I think it's absolutely actually funny. Um, I mean, there is some like drier stuff in there, but it, the 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 humor is oftentimes, although there are a lot of funny things in the script, like the script is really good, but it's within the satire because it is a satire of you know an action movie. Um, yeah. So it's within taking those trumps and pumping it up uh, to crazy levels, you know. Uh, like basically meet the Spartans, but done well, you know? Nice. Yeah. There's a, there's a really interesting moment in this film where uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost's characters sit down to watch uh, bad boys two and point break. Cause uh, Simon Pegg's character has never seen them before. And those movies especially are an interesting choice because they are both uh, about cops, one less so than the other um, and about cops, especially who, they're kind of the personification of what um, uh, Nick Frost's character thinks an action hero cop is supposed to be, um, which is why the end of the movie works so well, because you get to see him sort of live out that fantasy. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, I sort of, I'm with Punya. I, I, I do think this movie is hysterical, but I don't think it's laugh out loud funny. I think it's like, Oh, that's genius. Oh, that's so funny. Kind of funny. Right. If that makes sense. Like I, 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 as opposed to my pick and, and Punya's pick, especially like, I think that those are more kind of typical laugh out loud funny. Whereas, uh, I think hot fuzz without a doubt is going to be the smartest movie that we talk about today. Yeah. Like by a wide margin. <laughs> and I think, I think it, it really just depends what you're looking for in a comedy. Do you want something that's a little dumber for lack of a better term or do you want something that really does have that kind of thoroughness through the script and very like intellectual action movie i guess i don't know i i i think it is laugh out loud funny though because part of the the script part of it being so tight is that it's so dense that every line whether you know the specific they're not tossing one-liners up but it's this this punch this one two punch of a, a joke into a joke into a joke or it's like yeah. the clean clean setup to the punchline you know it is very technical and very smart but i think that really i don't know i find that i think that's hilarious like uh i think this movie is genuinely incredibly funny I, I, and I know you guys aren't saying it's not, but I just yeah. mean in the sense. No, uh, you have a, you have a refined yeah. palate <laughs> for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> for me, man, it's it's hard for me to think of this as as a. Con I think of Hot Fuzz as an action movie first, mainly because I actually think Shaun of the Dead's a little bit funnier of a film, um, mm. and. I don't think you can view these films independently. You kind of have to film view them as a whole, um, and. I look at Shaun of, Shaun of the Dead as the comedy of the group, whereas The World's End and um, uh, Hot Fuzz are definitely a little bit more genre-focused, being sci-fi and uh, action comedy. I do love... Like, don't get me wrong. There are some incredible lines from this movie. When's your birthday? 22nd of February. What year? Every year. Like, that's <laughs> that's really funny. That's a really good line. Um, Yeah, man, that's... That's a really interesting pick. I I was going to probably save Hot Fuzz for a different category myself, but I do. It's also one that I forget is rated R, I guess, watching it because it's British, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you I also I mean? didn't like, realize it was rated R. When you watch, when you watch like British television, especially, they're a lot more brazen with language than American television is. So I always forget that um, some of their films that I don't feel like an R-rated film or are rated um i'll roll into my film next um so for my middleweight 
I chose the film Role Models, directed by David Wayne. Um, it's starring Sean William Scott, Paul Rudd, Elizabeth Banks, Christopher Mintz Plaza, uh, Jane Lynch, and Ken Jeong. Uh, I actually didn't realize this, but it was written by Paul Rudd. Oh. Uh, David Wayne, Ken Moreno, and Timothy Doling. Um, so this film, for anyone that hasn't seen it or seen it in a while, because I, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, um, it's about two guys who work for an energy company or an energy drink company who after um, one of them sort of has a midlife crisis, I guess, uh, and crashes their Minotaur car into a fountain. They're sentenced to court-ordered I guess, guidance program for troubled youth um, where they're paired up with uh, Augie and Ronnie, who are two troubled kids. Augie being kind of a nerdy kid with trouble making friends and Ronnie being a loud swearing child, which as much as I love this movie, the Ronnie aspect of this movie has definitely aged poorly. The sort of shock value of seeing a child swear isn't as funny as it was in, say, 2008 when this movie was released. Um, but, to God, this movie is so wacky and funny, man. I love this film. Like, it, it's a film that you don't really need to... The story to it it has enough moments and enough jokes to kind of propel it forward but the story is weird and interesting enough i mean shit the movie ends with them in a larping competition against kim jong as the king when they're dressed as the band kiss like it's fucking ridiculous but it's funny as hell man um Jane Lynch, especially, I think is the hands down funniest performance in this film. She has her kind of typical shtick, but for me, it really, really works with this character. Um, what y'all got any thoughts on role models? Yeah, I hadn't seen this one in a long time. Um, this was so it's like a, a throwback. I remember loving it. Um, it's so I'm glad I'm glad you gave that that like kind of walk through back back through the plot because it definitely has like a lot of like funny like really goofy moments like what you mentioned like with the ending there um yeah uh not much i can say about it other than just i i remember this being a very good movie and jane lynch is hilarious in this movie and in everything mm -hmm. i love jane lynch she's a national treasure we need to protect her mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, we had a budget of 28 million and it grossed about 92 million so it was a success um but not like a smash success which i think lends to being a middleweight a little more than a heavyweight i see that yeah, yeah and i also i don't know like punya said this is a little bit of a throwback i haven't thought about this movie um really at all um not that I actually think about R-rated comedies too much, uh, mm -hmm. if I'm not, you know, going to watch one. But this is not one that, you know, jumps to mind for me. Um, it is a great movie. It is funny. Um, but I think, I don't know, in some ways, this is kind of missing some something that would make me want to put it over uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, kind of. That, you know what I think it is? What? I think it's Sean William Scott, unfortunately, because um, Paul Rudd's great. We everyone knows Paul Rudd can lead a film, but Sean William Scott is definitely the weak link in the main cast. Because um, man, he's great in a side role. Obviously, Stifler is one of the funniest side characters in any movie ever. Um, but when he's kind of the center outside of maybe the film Goon, he's not really that amazing of an actor. And I say this kind of in uh going against my own pick but it it is something that i i think is uh more and more obvious as the years go by there it could have been a different pairing with uh with paul rudd i mean even look at we're talking about forgetting sarah marshall and bring it up again but like i love you man jason siegel and paul rudd like are like have off the charts chemistry um like yeah comedically um like and i don't know yeah maybe that's a good point i hadn't considered yeah, yeah, I think I think this movie is wildly different with Owen Wilson in the Sean William Scott role. Hmm. I, could I don't know. I, I do love this movie, though. And maybe it's this is one of those like cable darlings. I, I think I've watched it on cable like five or six times when <laughs> I was a kid. So I never got the full experience of it um, until I was much older and and, you know, kind of had that sort of nostalgia, fond memories for it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. We want to go ahead and vote for this category. Um, yeah, I can lay down the law. 
Um, <laughs> Lay it down. So I'm going to put role models um, in third. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And then I'm going to go with my gut and put Sarah Marshall second and Hot Fuzz first. I can't give up on my boy. Um, but I do yeah. think for getting Sarah Marshall, it's it's a really, really good movie. Um, and uh, it doesn't stick with you because it's not like there's some crazy message or anything. But like I keep I keep saying it has like that that comfortable like uh, it's a, a familiar feeling. It's a nice movie and it's really funny. Nice. I'm going to go similarly. I'm going to go actually with Hot Fuzz first um, because I, I agree with what you're saying about like it just being a really well put together comedy movie, having like a lot of smart humor. And I think being the the most like good movie out of all of these ones we've talked about so far, um, even if it's maybe not, I think, the, the funniest personally. So I'd go Hot Fuzz, Forgetting Sarah Marshalls and then Role Models. Yeah, I think I think uh, it, Hot Fuzz was going to get the win, but uh, I'm going to give Forgetting Sarah Marshall my number one. Um, and it's for one line and one line only. Uh, are those happy tissues or sad tissues? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the only reason I'm giving it my number one. That's one of my favorite lines in movie history. That was a, a good cere- line. Um, a ceremonial vote, but a nice gesture. Yes. <laughs> so, Mark, you get the win, but not the sweep. No, yep. not the sweep. Not the sweep. Not Man, this time. I, two back-to-back third places. Jeez. Well, you want to see if you can turn it around? Yeah, let's see if you can get yourself oh, out of the I know rut. I can turn it around. I know you can too. <laughs> oh, baby, 2021's the year of irrational confidence. Let's do it. All right, so my heavyweight this year going to be Step Brothers. For the whole year? It's Step Brothers. <laughs> it's Step Brothers for the whole year, baby. And this episode, I don't know. Oh, it's Step Brothers. I mean, it's what more is there to say other than it's one of, if not the funniest films ever written while simultaneously having little to no plot whatsoever. Um, And I think it ultimately just boils down to Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are comic geniuses. And this was kind of their swan song and sort of the movie that they wrote out onto the sunset with or should have been. Um, it's directed by Adam McKay, written by him and Will Ferrell, starring John C. Riley, Will Ferrell, uh, Mary Steinberger, Richard Jenkins, Adam Scott. It's it had a budget of sixty-five million. It grossed one hundred and twenty-eight million. It's a movie that I still quote to this day, and there are a, a number of different quotes. I mean, I could probably recite the entire boats and hose song to you verse to verse. Like I'm no, no joke. Um, this is one of those movies that I, I think really got helped by word of mouth. Um, because man, when you, when you hear the basis of this movie, you don't think it's going to work. It's about two man children who have to live together and it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous as hell. But the genius of this movie is in one actor's performance and one actor's performance alone. Mr. John C. Riley, who, outside of Talladega Nights, is a classically trained actor. He is a dramatic powerhouse. And to get someone who is that good at drama to be able to then flip the script and be almost if not as funny as will farewell in this film is unbelievable um i mean he's throwing punches when will farewell's throwing jabs and they're both keep standing at the end of the film which is just a testament to how amazing john c Riley is in this movie yeah dude it's it's stepbrothers this was the movie that you were watching at your friend's house and you yep. knew you weren't supposed to be watching um like <laughs> yep. This is, there's so many, not even just lines, because, um, you know, lines, there's not just one good scene. There are so many good moments throughout it uh, that, like, it's not like there's one funny scene and that make, justifies the movie. It's constant. Yeah. You got the, you know, the Boats and Hose uh, music video. You got the montage when they're trying to keep people from moving in. You got uh, <laughs> the Derek and his family singing in the car. Like, this movie is complete there's not a there's not a point there's not a dead scene in it 
and no. um most of the most of the scenes are funnier than entire other movies totally do y'all know why or how sorry do y'all know how they got the idea for this movie no oh. enlighten me please so literally the whole reason this movie was made is will ferrell and adam mckay said i want to make a movie involving bunk beds falling on top of each other <laughs> that's it and that was one of the that's best how scenes this movie was made <laughs> yeah dude and it, that's what's so funny about this film is really it's there's no plot but there doesn't need to be a plot because the comedy is just hitting you every scene over and over and over again from literally like the opening minutes of the movie. I mean, one of the funniest movies or one of the funniest lines in the movie is one of the beginning lines. Um, <laughs> Rich, he better not get in my face because I'll drop that motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not calling him dad, even if there's a fire. Like. <laughs> It just it comes out the gate swinging and never stops until after the Catalina wine mixer. Like it's just it's so good, man. So many quotable lines. Just yeah, a really like modern kind of classic comedy movie for sure. And really, you know what I always forget in this movie too is the Seth Rogen cameo. Always geeks me out every time I see what it. What does he play? He's one of the guys that they're trying to uh, when they're doing the job interviews, like the Pam Pan scene. Oh. He's the guy that's like. Hey, I get it. Y'all are wearing tuxes. That's funny. That's I get that. Um, and it's just like he's in it for maybe two minutes, and it's just so funny. <laughs> Forgot about that. I yeah, well, I really, really should have let you go last, but um, yeah, yeah, Apunia, you, you should, should've. you should definitely try and follow that. All right, for sure. I think, I think mine right, sure. can follow I think, that. I so when I think about Ooh, the <laughs> when I think about the R-rated comedy genre, um, I mean, two of the the kings of that genre, I think, are Seth Rogen and James Franco for sure. Uh, and so mm -hmm. my top pick for heavyweight is uh, this is the end, which is. One of the great uh, Rogan oh. and Franco movies. Uh, um, if you if you haven't seen it, it's uh, essentially it's it's a bunch of actors playing themselves. I'm pretty they I'm pretty sure everyone plays themselves in that movie. Um, it's about about a much a bunch of actors that are having this crazy party at James Franco's house, and then the end of the world comes. A big sinkhole opens up, like just Armageddon starts all over them, and so they have to shelter in this uh, in James Franco's mansion, and uh, and just such a like this is this is a movie that could only be carried through by this cast and made by these people because otherwise it just wouldn't have the same weight. Um, there's just something really funny about seeing all of these actors that you have seen in other comedies playing themselves and then just being like really empty like shitty versions of themselves like michael Sarah, especially <laughs> hilarious um in in his oh cameo here uh just everyone the capri plays sun scene the the what scene oh my god the capri sun scene oh man oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> want to sit <laughs> but yeah it's like it's like all these actors playing like super hammed up crazy versions of themselves and then also just like being put in this super like unrealistic scenario but it it's hilarious just so many jokes throughout it seems like there's like something in here for like everyone in terms of like comedy styles uh and just a bunch of stuff that you know you would never imagine you'd see in another movie like Emma Watson coming in to to like rob you and then and then I'm, like Craig Robinson shouting like Hermione just jacked our shit um, like, um but, uh, it's just so many so many funny like moments weird positions characters get put in uh and a personal favorite, just I love when Danny McBride shows up, just his whole appearance, <laughs> his whole like persona is kind of like it's like what you'd want to imagine that these people are like. And Channing Tatum. Oh, dude. yeah, that oh, too. My God. Yeah, Channing. Oh, my God. Man, this movie is. Uh, you hit the nail right on the head when you when you mentioned that they're kind of hamming it up. They're definitely playing like heightened versions of themselves. Um which does help the movie kind of distinguish itself from being like almost documentary style. Um, I, it, one of the strangest choices this movie makes though, is making Jay Baruchel the main character. I don't know if I a hundred percent agree with that choice. Um, I feel, I felt like it should have been Seth Rogen as the main character. I, what do, do y'all think? I who think it was a good choice because he, he 
plays like the straight man character. He plays like the the kind of he's not the funny one in the movie. I mean, maybe he has funny moments. I can't remember. But he's supposed to be, I feel like, just the stand in for the audience so that they can kind of be they can see themselves as the plank person while all these crazy people are like doing crazy shit around you. Yeah, yeah, you got a point. So I I do think that This Is the End is a really funny movie, but personally, I don't know, just like keeping it within the same creator group, I think I would put Pineapple Express over this. Um, personally, I don't know what See, you guys I, think. I sort of disagree, mainly because, and, and I rewatched Pineapple Express recently. I think Pineapple Express is really, really funny the first time, but doesn't lend to an era of uh, rewatchability the same way that This Is The End does, because This Is The End is really... I mean, it, it's essentially in one location in James Franco's house. So the rewatchability comes from finding new jokes in the film and finding kind of little moments that you might have missed before. Whereas Pineapple Express, like that movie's plot is a little bit weirder and deeper than I remembered it being. And it it's not as kind of like joke wall to wall jokes as this is the end, which Maybe it's just personal preference, but when I'm watching a comedy, that's sort of what I'm looking for is more wall-to-wall jokes. Yeah. What do you think? I would say I would say like not only do I think that this is the end had like more laughs in it overall, I think they were like bigger laughs. I think they were like more um like big, like insane moments of like really interesting stuff happening. Um and it's and like I said too, is like something that makes this movie special is that like very few other people could have made this movie. It like needed to be this ensemble cast with these people centered around it specifically. Uh, so it gets to kind of go into some areas that a lot of other comedies can't. Um, whereas I view uh, Pineapple Express as kind of like a more ordinary comedy movie, even though that is also really good. And I do think that this is yeah. definitely the more unique of the two. Um, so, like, I'm not I'm not upset at it being brought up at all. Yeah. Um, and I do think that the the heightened characters are. I mean, Michael Sarah, I think, is far away the funniest <laughs> part of the movie. We are, you guys talked about him a bit already, but just oh, yeah. uh, I I just think that. I also had a problem where at the time where this came out, I was not uh, fully cognizant because I'm 12 years old. Um, so I would get this confused with At World's End, and I thought they were the same movie. Hmm. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate timing for both of those being released. Um, and The World's End, man, I think that movie got the short end of the stick. I, I truly love that movie, and it's it's one that I, I really want to talk about on, on a future episode for sure. But, man, This Is The End. is it, It's such a great pick. I, I really love this film. It was definitely an honorable mention for me. All right. What? It's an old tale, boys. An executive in some stuffy suit says, You want to know what people like? They like forgotten they like? franchises from the 80s and they reboot it. And it does bad because nobody wants forgotten franchises from the 80s. And this cycle continues in Hollywood to this day. But two men were looking over the over the city and they saw this going on and they said, LOL, watch this. And those two men were <laughs> those two men were Phil Lord and Christopher Miller when they brought back Johnny Depp's 21 Jump Street with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. Oh, man. I'm also including 22 Jump Street in this argument. Because its entire existence is to make fun of sequels, and I think that makes it funnier when you put it with the original. These yeah. are perfect parody movies, and I've talked about Beat the Spartans already today and before, but that kind of scary movie, uh, superhero movie, that kind of parody, um, it, it's really easy to go too far into the dumb and the stupid. This is that done right and done hilariously. The chemistry between uh, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum is excellent. I'm not a huge Channing Tatum fan, but I think he's great in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. Ice Cube is a scene stealer as the captain. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, the entire premise is this is a police department that goes undercover at high schools and busts high schoolers for selling drugs. Um, and in the first movie, they bust this 
someone for selling drugs. And then in the second movie, they just do the exact same thing. And the entire joke of the movie is they just do the exact same thing, which sounds like it would wear itself. It would sound like it would wear itself thin, but it's hilarious the entire time. The one joke. Um, These movies are great. Uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are gods. Everything they make is magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Lego movie, Spider-Verse, just whatever it is. And this is just another example of them doing incredible work. They really are the King Midas directors right now. Everything and anything they touch turns into gold. I'm going to say, I'm I'm, I'm glad that you picked this because this is one of my favorite, this might be my favorite comedy movie. Um, And when I saw that you picked it, I was like, ah, okay, I guess I'll pick other ones. I guess there are (laughs) other ones I can pick here, but this, this is, this is like a really, it's a really funny movie and it's one that kind of maintains, it's like, it, it has a rare mix of being able to be really consistently funny all the way through while also still carrying out a plot that kind of feels like it matters without it totally just being like trivial and in the background great cameo by johnny depp at the first film too oh, yeah mm-hmm. um yeah this movie this movie is top to bottom funny uh from start to finish uh, there's so many little moments i one of my favorite little moments in in these movies which is such a small scene but it's in 22 jump street they're having a uh like they steal a, i think it's like an equipment manager's uh golf cart or something and they're driving around campus being pursued by bad guys and they cross in front of the benny hill school for music <laughs> while playing the benny hill theme song in the background I didn't notice that. and it's such a dude it's such a throwaway joke but it cracks me up every single time that i watch it <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude, these, I, I think 22 Jump Street, I tend to prefer more than 21 Jump Street, uh, mainly due to the addition to the cast of uh, Jimmy Tatro and Wyatt. Uh, ooh, I'm blanking on uh, whose son he is. He's like a famous... Wyatt uh, Russell. I'm look it up Wyatt real quick. Russell. Wyatt Russell. That's right. That's right. He, man, I love Wyatt Russell. Anything that he's in, he's great. And especially his, what's his character's name? Like Rooster or something Zook. like that? I thought that was Jimmy Tatro's character. Oh, Jimmy Tatro's rooster. You're right. You're right. It's a zoo. Yeah, man. You fool. It's. I I think 22 is a better movie than 21 personally, but 21 I think is. Or let me rephrase that. 22 is a funnier movie. 21 is a better movie. I would would say the same thing. I'm going to go back to what we were saying. We were talking about Hot Fuzz, where you guys were saying it's it's a smart script, but it's not necessarily you know laugh out loud funny. Um, I think I kind of actually am getting what you were saying now because this is that. This is a smart script. This is a dense script that is laughing oh, loud yeah. funny the entire time. I'd agree. Yep. No, this this movie's incredible. There's no question. And I think I think grouping them together normally I wouldn't allow, but I I, I do. I don't think that 22 works without the context of 21. Um, and you also can't talk about these movies without talking about the credits of 22. Oh, yeah. Arguably the greatest <laughs> credit sequence in movie history. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's so good. Yeah, 22, honestly, and, uh, is it's it's honestly not not just a, a rare good sequel, but it's also a very rare good comedy sequel. Oh, yeah. That's hard to come by. Yeah. I think I've got my list uh, my list together if y'all are, y'all are ready to vote. Yeah, yeah let's too. hear it. Cool. I'm going to go, uh, I got to go Step Brothers 21 and then I'm, I'm sorry, Punya, I'm blanking on your pick. This is the end. This is the end of the this episode. This is the end. I, <laughs> I love this is the end, but just 21, 22 alone, I think would have won it, but adding in 22 or excuse me, adding in 21 is just like the icing on the cake for this. Yeah, Bruno, what you thinking? I'm gonna go 21 Jump Street. Like I said, favorite movie. Would have picked it if it wasn't already picked. Um, Step Brothers, yeah. also classic R-rated comedy movie. And then I'll give this is the end last, but it is still a very good movie in my opinion. Well, now we've reached an interesting impasse. But I think that I have to recognize I have to recognize that Step Brothers is one of the funniest movies ever made, if not the like top three. Um, so I will My hands are up in the air. I will put I will put my number one sticker on Step Brothers Jump Street and then this is the end. Congratulations, Parker. 
Nice. Let's go, baby! As a quick refresher, <laughs> the lightweight winner was Punya with Super Troopers. Middleweight, me with Hot Fuzz. And then we got Step Brothers pulling in the heavyweight belt for the week, getting Parker a point on the scoreboard. God, these were all excellent picks across the board, man. This is one of the hardest uh, rankings I think we've had to do on the show to the day. Yep, I, I, I definitely <laughs> agree, especially because a lot of them are very similar, and if not tone, then in style. Um, oh yeah, but I think I think we did. I'm pretty happy with all these picks. I think we did uh, did a I good job. Uh, yeah, and I think that's probably it for this episode of Movie Weight Classes. Uh, we want to thank y'all again for joining us. Um, we're a bi-weekly show. Um, our next episode is going to be talking about 3D animated movies. Um, I'm, I'm super, super excited to talk about this category because they're the one I'm really excited for the lightweight. I want to see some deep cuts from y'all. That's, that's my one. My one request mm -hmm, for a deep cut. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I guess the question to pose for y'all is, what's a 3D animated movie that would be better if it was 2D animated instead of 3D animated? And we could talk about that at, at the beginning of the next week's episode. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can, I, can, I, can I give a performance of what the last minute sounded like for me? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Um, okay. I was like, I'll, I'll just let it <laughs> go. <laughs> it was kind of was like a... But I think I understand the sentiment. So be sure to come back yeah. in two weeks for the Boss Baby Awards, where we give Boss Baby the best 3D animated movie the accolades it so rightly deserves. <laughs> yeah, thank you again for joining us, y'all. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for all the support we've been getting from all of our friends and family. This has been truly amazing to do. And we love making episodes, so we hope that y'all keep listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us, y'all.